Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. Um, this is really, truly a unique scenario. I've had a couple pastors in this space, and we've walked around, we've looked at it. As I told the, the, the people of the crowd that was here last night, uh, we have one that's said they're going to match up to $15,000 that we raised, and another one who's making us part of their missions budget. Um, and they're local. They're guys that we've become friends with that I've spent a lot of time with who've encouraged me. And I love that about Fort Worth. I was texting uh, uh, two pastors, actually, this week, just from in, from in the city, and just checking in on each other. And, and I love that we're part of something like that. We are not trying to build our own thing. Uh, churches who do that uh, end up splitting the kingdom and rather than growing the kingdom. And we are about the kingdom. We are about the kingdom of heaven on earth in this city. Amen? And so we are uh, uh, really blown away by what this space looked like. My brother-in-law was here last week. He's a, a pastor on staff at Gateway, runs their prison ministry, has done incredible things uh, there. And uh, he was said last week, he said, man, it felt so good. And you really don't have to worry about it too much. It already feels awesome. And uh, we still have things to do. And we have things that the city needs us to do. There are things that we need to do uh, to do it well and to do it the right way. But it does feel like home. The reality is, is the reason it feels like home is because it's the home we always wanted. Um, the truth is that this is the space that we always knew we would live in. And um, we, are, we are the church that, li- that wants to be in a warehouse. We are the church that, that is okay with a little bit of glitter on the floor, uh, that we don't have to remodel it before you show up. We are the church that understands the fence out there is a little bit, a little bit, yeah, and yet you keep walking through it. That is who we are. We are the church that believes raw, authentic, real things are beautiful and God can use them. Amen? And so we, we believe that, and we believe that this space, as we take these garage doors to glass doors, as we take uh, the, the certain, we'll put more walls in there so we can have the kids, but also bridal suites and workspaces, as we continue to build out the gallery area, as we finish out the patio, which many of you guys haven't even seen yet, that's going to become a third space in this room. So you've got this room and the gallery, and then you'll have a third space. When you, when you talk about the things that need, we don't even have a stage yet, y'all. Um, some of you in the back, you're like, yeah, I know. I have to look like I don't even know what's happening. Uh, but we, we absolutely believe that what God's going to do in this space is different than what he's done in a lot of other places. We don't think that we're doing something that is normal. Uh, we don't think that we're doing something that is just how you do church. We absolutely believe that while Sunday matters immensely, we also believe the rest of the week does too. And we believe that there is something to do during the week. Um, I think of, uh, of, of people who even come in here have discovered their calling, and I believe that's going to happen, but it ain't just going to happen on a Sunday. We talked about the ministry called Second Avenue that we're going to start out of this space, a nonprofit that I've had in my heart for a long time. In fact, way before the, the vision statement of Streets and Hearts ever showed up. Um, I don't know what it is about streets, but I like them, I guess. Uh, around empowering people in their calling and in their gifting, helping people discover who they are, primarily outside the church. Far too long, young people have come up in church and said, I want to do ministry, and for them that meant they had to grab a mic, stand behind a pulpit, and preach the gospel. And I think that's a, that is a very limited way of believing about what God can do in and through your life. Um, one of the one amazing uh, theologian, Dorothy Sayers, years ago talked about creativity, and she says the best thing you can do for a carpenter is first tell him who Jesus is, second tell him to make great tables. And there's something about us being people who do well with what God has given us that pleases the heart of God because he knows who you are and what you're capable of. 
And so when it comes to entrepreneurship, when it comes to business, when it comes to politics, when it comes to creativity and production, I've, I've always wanted to be, I'm going to make a movie someday, I promise. Okay, Jesse? I'm going to make a movie. We're going to have, but there's always been a heart for that. And so the desire here is that people discover that God can use them wherever they are. See, God places you. God put Adam in the garden and then said, here's something to do. And sometimes we despise where we're placed because we want to do something else. But maybe wherever you are placed, do with it what God has already given you to do, and he will move you around. Uh, name some animals, even if you don't like animals. Right? Do the things God has put in front of you to do. We always think Eden was perfect. It wasn't. It was just packed with potential. And God put, put uh, men and women there to cultivate the ground and to make it what God always desired it to become. So for you and I, it is not like, hey, we're retreating from the earth to get away from all the bad. No, no, no. We are here so that we would rule and reign. And no, that does not be, mean be the boss of everyone and tell them where they've all screwed up. It means that we are people who serve and take responsibility for the city and for the neighborhoods that we live in. I saw someone tweet this the other day, and one of my best friends, Josh Schott, and, uh, and from uh, someone that we follow, and he said, we do not beat up the blind, we guide the blind. We do not look at people and go, you don't see it, how dare you? We go, oh, you don't see it, let me talk to you about what you can see. And we are people in this space and in this place, and, um, and our heart's desire is that this becomes that more than, than really anything we've ever done. And I would have never imagined we would have come out of this season and come out of um, COVID. And I know it's not over. I understand that. I understand what is happening with the numbers and all the things. And we're, we are keeping an eye on those things. Please understand that. But I, but I would never have thought we would have shut down on March 22nd and come back in September in, in a new home, a permanent home. And on top of that, that we would have a more capabilities to do all of the creative things that we've always talked about doing, and that we can do a gallery, uh, that we can, uh, we can show people who are having a tough time getting into some other gallery, come, hey, yeah, just come start here. It will not all be Christian art. Don't do that to us. It's art. That's what it is. Yes, we'll have discretion. <laughs> We're not going to make your kids walk by the check-in counter and have some questionable material. But understand, our heart here is not that only Christians come in. Our heart is that people who would have never thought they'd come to church show up in a church. And no, we don't have to play worship to convince them of that. We just have to look more like Jesus. We just have to be generous, kind, loving, gracious. Not to peel away when that, oh, I don't know if I can handle that. I don't know if I can like, no, no, no. Jesus embraced attention. That's how he reached people. He sat at the table with nobody else would sit with. You know, what's funny is Jesus, we love to make him out to be one who just always reprimanded the Pharisees. He sat at their table too. And then he sat with Zacchaeus also. Jesus was an equal opportunity critic. Jesus was an equal opportunity lover. He did not, he, was, he would sit anywhere. He was not afraid of people. I want to encourage you, this space, that's what this is. So maybe you weren't here last night. Maybe you weren't able to be a part of that. Uh, we, last night, just through, uh, I think we had about 10 people commit. I think we had about $20,000 already committed towards the $125,000 goal of trying to reach, to, to, to fix out and finish out this space. Much of that is on the front end to get it to code and get it to what we need it to be. Some of that you won't even see, but I promise you it has to get done. Um, 
And, and so I know that there was 40 other people that haven't been able to commit yet. I know that some of you guys um, weren't here that, that you want to commit to that. So you can still go c3fortworth.com forward slash vision builders. Pray over it. We are not trying to coerce you, convince you, somehow persuade you that this is worth it. We know it's worth it. And like I said last night, I'm not trusting you with this. I'm trusting God with it, and I'm asking you to do the same. I'm asking you to sit, to pray, to consider what is it that we can do? For some of you, it's not this one-time, big, grandiose gift. For some of you, it's just, I'm going to be a tither this year. I'm going to be someone who regularly and consistently gives because I want my treasure to go where my heart is. And so I want to encourage you. If that's you, just I want you to pray and consider. We had, we had um, multiple people give last night. I think it's fantastic. And, uh, and it's because our resources matter. And it's why this resource, this space, the vision is not the building. The vision is what's going to happen in it. And that's why this space is going to be a resource we use far more than just having a church service. We are going to use it so these guys at R.L. Pasco High School uh, can come down here maybe on a Tuesday afternoon and get a few of our buddies in the city who are entrepreneurs or into politics who, or, who are creatives and help them discover their gifting and calling. So when they graduate at 18, they're not trying to figure out what they're going to do. They've already got a head start in it. And they have people who are already going to support them. They've got mentors. They've got people who are going to fight for them. They're going, they, maybe they've never been exposed to conversations like this, and we're going to do that with everything we have. My heart and my desire is going, I believe it's going to happen in this space. Amen? And so I want to encourage you, take some time. Um, our goal is to raise a significant portion of that $125,000 before Easter of next year. Why is that? Because to do some of the, the bigger events that we want to do in here, we have to do a, a, a few things, particularly immediately, um, so that we can uh, be in good favor with the city and be in good favor with uh, those around us. So we're doing our best to do all of that ahead of time. So I would encourage you to be a part of that. Um, whatever you can give, stretch yourself. Um, I'm not saying that because I, I'm just trying to convince you. I just, I'm saying that because God's always done that to me. Um, I just have found that uh, to, to lean into what God wants to do is rarely comfortable. Um, it's rarely easy. And uh, I'm not telling you to go into debt. Please don't put all this on a credit card. Um, I'm not telling you to forego the next three rent payments. I'm not telling you to do any of those things. I am asking you, though, to consider what is it that could go above and beyond. I've told you, I'll tell you this right now. Uh, sometimes when it comes to committing to something like this and giving towards something like this, it is the act of giving it that unlocks the, the healthy challenge and, and, and uh, push for you to step into some of the things you've been hesitating on. For some of you, the gift is going to challenge you to start the business you've been hesitating on. For some of you, it's going to challenge you to do some of the things you've been thinking about. I've even, Meredith, we've been talking about what we're giving. I've been challenged on a few things that I've been holding back on, and I'm going, babe, I, I, this is challenging me because when I give out, God begins to fill up. And even when we sign the lease on this space, without really knowing exactly how this is going to work out, the moment we, I'm telling you, man, within a week, it was like three or four different things. Were just pop, if we, people were asking, hey, when can we use this space? Hey, what? It's, it's amazing that when we step, God steps. You know, when he took the Israelites into Jordan, he, he said, put your toes in the water. And not before the water receded, not before God did something amazing. He said, put your toes in the water. It's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? It is like God show up on step number six so I don't have to get in the fire. And he didn't. He waited till he was in the fire, and then he showed up. It's like, thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. It is the reality of God. It is, it is a truly a pattern of Jesus to move you into places where you are not yet comfortable so that you would become comfortable in them. And for so long, we have allowed people to be comfortable in their comfort rather than comfortable in their calling. Your calling will be a challenge, but there will be a peace. It will be hard, 
but God will make it easy in your spirit. There will be something about it where there are days you are like, I'm done. And then the next morning, for some weird reason, you go, let's go for it. And those seasons can be difficult and challenging, but God requires of us to lean into the pressure and into the challenge. It, it, is, it is somewhat like when Meredith had uh, our first child, Kaysen, and then um, <laughs> and, uh, and was terrible, like it was, oh, pregnancy was horrible, and, you know, the preg- the birthing was terrible, it was all difficult, it was challenging, and then like six months later, you want to do it again? You know? <laughs> Listen, I mean, that, but that, that, when God's doing something in your life, it's, it's wild because the truth is that there's been enough bad moments in, in pastoring and, and leading and pioneering and doing things like this. There's been enough bad moments where Meredith and I could have been like, I'm out. I'm going to go work down the road, be a cash register. I'm good. Like, I'm fine. But for some reason, there's something in your heart that goes, man, there is something worth it. And God always, always redeems it. Always redeems it. And some of you guys are living in the redemption of that over these last few months. And so it's awesome. Anyways, anyways, I was just going to do a short recap, but I'm too excited about it. Three phrases that I gave to the, uh, the team, the people here who last night. And number one was for, for this city, a home. For the city, a home. We want this space to be flexible. That's why we're going to, as the church, we're going to make concessions on how this space looks so that people can use it during the week. In other words, we're not going to put the brown carpet down you can't have drinks on. We're not going to build out stadium seating that you can't move. We're not going, we, we may not have like permanent kids stuff. There might still be a little bit of setup every week, just like my friends at Life in Deep Elm, where every week they fold up chairs and put them off to the side. And he said it's one of my greatest discipleship tools is that people have to fold up chairs, move them to the side, and remember every single Sunday that this building is not just for us. And so this space is going to have a vibe to it that is not just for church. People are going to walk in and go, wait, you do church here? It doesn't have all the stuff. Yeah, I know. Because we made room for you. Because we made room for what God wants to do in your life and in your people, in your family, in your neighborhood. That's number one, for the city, a home. Number two, for every street, a table. On every street, a table. Our desire is that there is a table on every street that welcomes everyone on their street. Um, I know very much so. On my street, I've got differences of opinion. I know that I've got people who voted for Trump and people who voted for Biden because I saw their signs. I saw their half-ripped Trump flags, right? I saw all of it. I know that there are people who marched Black Lives Matter, and I know people who didn't like it. And the reality is we're friends with all of them, as it should be, as it should be. And I know that someday I'm going to get all of them at the same flipping table, And I'm going to help them realize that the blood that runs through their veins and the breath that's in their lungs was not given to them by themselves. It was God's. And we should love one another well, regardless if we disagree with one another. And so that's the heart. The heart is that every street would have a table where everyone feels welcome, that there's always a chair open for anyone who needs rest, who needs help, who needs encouragement, or just needs a friend. Amen? And the third one is this. In every heart, a calling kind of talked a bit about that, but in every heart, a calling. So next year, we will be more committed to the C3 college materials that some of you guys have been through from Leadership One, uh, doing emotionally healthy spirituality, uh, some of these things that we've talked about for a long time, advanced discipleship, uh, what some of those C3 college, some of you guys have been through, some of you haven't, um, definitely going to be com- more committed to that next year. Also launching something like Second Avenue and the events that will happen in this space, like the art gallery, like some of those things. And again, all of that is going to cost, all of that's going to have something behind it. So uh, on every street, on every heart, a calling. Yes, that's what we want to do. I do want to share with you one word as we close out our Power and Politics series. I thought our political season would be over by now. It doesn't seem to be. Um, 
And so we're working through that together. And uh, again, I would encourage you not to fall in the trap of demonizing one another, but understanding that there are spiritual things that are happening and that you and I are meant to love and love well. Love is not, listen, Jesus even says this, uh, that, that even the demons worship like, even the demons know who God is. Um, that's, that's not impressive. It is the fact that we love in spite of the things that are unlovable. It is the fact that we love in spite of the things that have been offensive or hurtful or demeaning. It is, it is the fact that we still love in that that, that causes us uh, to really begin to look more and more like Jesus. And so we're going to wrap up our Power and Politics series. We talked last week, really we got into power last week, um, and we talked a little bit about uh, uh, where we come from. Jesus was standing before Pilate. Pilate was, was kind of going, I don't think this guy's done anything wrong, but you guys are saying that he claimed to be God. So he goes, actually, he goes to the Pharisees and says, what did he do wrong? They said, well, he claimed to be God, which wasn't actually true, uh, but, but accusations tend to move beyond truth uh, often. And, uh, and so uh, they, they, uh, they go, well, he claimed to be God, and that got Pilate thinking because anyone who claimed to be God in Rome would, would well, he'd deal with repercussions because Caesar was God, that he was Lord, and that had kind of been a new phenomenon. They, I am the, I am not just appointed. I am the representative of the Lord. I am the person. And so Pilate goes, "Oh, okay." So he goes back to Jesus and goes, "Hey, where are you from?" It's an interesting question, considering what he should have said is, "Are you God?" No, no, no. He goes, "Where are you from?" Because where we are from should be represented by who we are, right? If you have a certain accent, if you have certain customs, you understand that you're probably from a different place or from a particular place, right? And so this idea, so Jesus kind of gets a little bit silent. And Pilate goes, you know I have the power of life and death in my hand, which wasn't actually true. Uh, Pilate was given the power of life and death, but, but power that is earthly rarely gives credit where credit is due. And so this is Pilate going, I have the power. No, you don't. Someone gave that power to you, but it's really, and now you're actually kind of listening to the crowd and what the crowd wants to do. So this power has become less about what you want to do and more about what everybody else wants you to do, which is an interesting thing. And Jesus goes, no, 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 nothing that you're doing here was given to you to do. The, the power you have is only what was given to you from above. And the question we asked of ourselves last week was, where are we from? In a season where it's very, very much looking like Biden and Kamala Harris, the first black woman elected to office, uh, to vice presidency, which is an incredible thing. And to see Joe Biden stand up and talk about unity and empathy, no, that doesn't mean I think Trump, this is, here, oh, Can I just, can I just, I'm going to be really honest with you, <laughs> like, because I lie all the time. <laughs> the reality is right now is that we can't find bad and good people, and we can't find good and bad people. And when I can't hear someone say, well, this person's done a lot of good, but you know these things. And this person's done some bad, but did you know the good things they did? When you can't give credit where it's due, and where you also can't critique where it's due, then you aren't actually being we the people. We the people have to be people who can celebrate good and critique bad, even if it all exists in one person. And when we get to the place where we're saying this person has done everything right and we get to the place where this person has done everything wrong, excuse me if I actually don't listen to your discernment about what is good and what is bad. Because at that point, I don't know. If you're being, so I could, I could quite literally tell you about all the candidates that ran, both in the primaries and currently. And yes, there were more than two. Just a reminder. You got options. 
I can find in every single one of them good things they've done and bad things they've done. Every single one of them. None of them, like Josh Scheib said a few weeks ago, are ushering in the kingdom of heaven tomorrow. That was never theirs to do. It was ours. I do not need you to legislate my morality because I already have it. Does that mean I'm not active in politics and policy? Absolutely not. It is how we organize our culture. But if it is how we win points, sorry, nobody's going to win. This is not a football game where we get to the end and hope that one team dominated the other team. No, no, no. We all have to live on this same field together. So we got to figure out how to love one another well in spite of the places we disagree. The podcasts I love are the people who actually disagree with one another. If you're listening to a pundit who is only saying all bad things or only saying all good things, find some new people to listen to. It's like having friends who never tell you you need to have a Snickers bar. It is like not having any friends who would ever tell you, hey, God's got more for you than where you're at right now. It's like having friends who would never tell you, hey, you're kind of screwing it up with your relationship right now. I don't need friends. I need friends who tell me, hey, you're acting like a jerk. Stop. That's what I need in my life. Not all the time, so don't. (laughs) But every once in a while, go, Brandon, wake up. Consider. Think about. Ask the question. Okay. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, Will Meyer texted me this week. It's funny that he did because I was actually going to preach this last week. Uh, it's something that's close to my heart, something that I felt was, uh, was uh, necessary for, this me- for kind of this season as we talk about power and politics. And next week is something in the church calendar called Christ the King, Christ the King Sunday. Uh, what that means is Christ is still king. Uh, and so regardless of how everything pans out, which we all pretty much know how it will, but regardless of how everything is going, regardless of whether you liked it or didn't like it, I- I'm-, I'm not... Regardless, Christ is king. Every year, the church calendar celebrates Christ the king. And then Advent starts. The beginning of the new year, the church calendar, is November 29th. So if you all want to move on from 2020, November 29th is the day to do it. All right? Um, and why do, we, why do we think that's important? Because in the American calendar, you have all kinds of holidays that commemorate all kinds of things. Right? Um, the church calendar does the exact same thing. And so whose timeline do we orient ourselves to? What are we first citizens of? The kingdom or the republic? We are citizens of the kingdom first. So Advent is the expectation, the advent of the coming king. And so at the end of every uh, Christian calendar, at the end of every church calendar, at the end of every year, the, first, the Sunday just prior to Thanksgiving is always Christ the King Sunday. And so we'll celebrate that next week. I think it's a great way to end our power and politics uh, pattern is to talk about Christ is and will be king regardless amen and so i want to talk about this acts chapter one will texted me uh i guess it was the one sermon that he listened to he's like hey i thought you said something good this was weeks and weeks and weeks ago um remind me what it was it's funny that he asked me about it because i um i i'd been thinking about preaching this and i want to uh share this with you and if you've heard it before don't don't just kind of move past it if you've heard it before listen and listen well because i believe every time you open the bible you can hear something new in fact i'm going to preach it in a little bit of a different way so jesus has uh, ascended to heaven in fact acts one he's about to ascend to heaven and jesus has is, has kind of gathered his disciples for that last kind of hurrah right he's going hey this remember i told you the holy spirit was going to come okay that's about to happen I'm going to go. The Holy Spirit's going to come. You guys gathering together so I can, I can just let you know this is all going to be good, and then I'm going to give you one more thing.
thing to do. I'm going to just encourage you on something that you need to do prior to you actually going and trying to accomplish uh, what I've called you to do. And so Jesus does this in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. He says, while he was together with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. Don't go, but to wait for the Father's promise. So he's come back. He's reappeared. Uh, Corinthians talks about the 500 witnesses that saw it. The disciples have seen it. Jesus has resurrected. This, these rumors begin to spread around the city and begin to move on past uh, Jerusalem. And Jesus is alive. And so he's sitting with the disciples, and he says to them, there's one little command. He goes, hey, don't go anywhere until this happens. Don't go anywhere. I've called you to do something, but don't go there without me. So often people find Jesus, move past community, move past the waiting with people, try to step into their calling, and they don't have the security, the strength, the sharpening of community around them. How many of you know that person? How many of you have ever been that person? And you're discouraged and frustrated, and you got nobody speaking into your life. you got nobody encouraging you. you got nobody giving you a Snickers bar. And if you still haven't seen that commercial, I've referenced it like 800 times. Go watch it. It's just YouTube, Snickers bar. And um, I don't know what will come up, but, uh, you know, and, and, and Jesus sits with his disciples and says, hey, hey, don't go anywhere because what I've called you to, you can't do in your own strength. What I've called you to, you can't do with your own devices. What I've called you to is going to require more of you than you have to give. That doesn't mean you won't be involved. It just means you need to involve me. And so Jesus says to him, don't go anywhere. And then he speaks to him and says, this is what you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when, he had come, when, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring one kingdom to Israel at this time? Are you finally going to do it? This is the moment you came back to life. Yeah, this is the moment. The, the horses and chariots, everything's going to roll into town. You're going to take over. You're going to win that, uh, the presidency. You're going to do all the stuff that are going to make the kingdom of heaven show up. And he goes, it's not for you to know. Sweet. So uh, he goes, no, it's not up to you. And, here, and, and some of us can look at that and go, ah, oh, I wish God would always just tell me when. He kind of just did. And here's what I mean by that. He's not limiting you to time and place. See, some of you think your calling is limited to time and place. If I only got there, if I only had that job, if I was only in this season, if I'd only had six more months, if I only had two more years, if I'd only made that decision five years ago, if only you, you, you still think that God is so limited by our decisions and by how we do things that, that he can't use us in spite of them and that in every time and place, God is using you. See, when he looks at them and goes, it's not for you to know, he's basically saying, get on with it now. He's saying to them, I, I, listen, wait for the Holy Spirit, but when the Holy Spirit comes, you'll be filled with power to be my witnesses everywhere you go, whenever you are, however you are, regardless of what's going on, you can lean on me. I love that. I think we read some of these things with such a negative mindset. How dare you, Jesus, not tell us what, what's next? Well, what's next is you don't need to know what's next to be who you were called to be. What's next is you don't have to strive so hard to become who God's called you to become. It can happen right now. And he says to them, it is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will, but you will. You may not know the time, you may not know the period, you may not know the place, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
Now, skip to verse one, uh, 14 in Acts chapter 1. It says, all these, now these are the disciples, they listen to Jesus, isn't that great? It's a good idea, do what he says. Emily said this last night, be obedient. Obedience is far greater than sacrifice. The burning your CDs is not better than just loving people well, okay? Uh, some of you know what I'm talking about, you, some of you don't. What's a CD? Um, all these were, conti- it's good thing, you can't burn MP3s, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know what you do now, like what do you, What's the, like, great religious way to show that you love Jesus now? Is there, like, do you burn your computer? Don't do that. Um, Like, what do you throw away your phone, get just a flip phone? Um, All these were continually united. Everybody say continually. All these were continually united in prayer, along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Skip to Acts chapter 2. All right, we're seeing this progression. Jesus says, wait. They waited. They didn't just wait. They prayed. And you just wait, they prayed. Some of us are doing too much waiting, not enough praying. That's why we're growing anxious. We're growing anxious because we're, all we're doing is waiting, and we're not praying. You ever, you ever catch yourself? Like you've just been sitting there, and you're going, why haven't I, I haven't even prayed? Why haven't I opened my Bible? I what am I doing? I need, to, I need to actually pray. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 says this. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, everybody say Suddenly. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. Now, I want us to hear this, and this is the one thing I want us to hear as we step into this uh, next uh, season. Um, in power and politics, the pattern of Jesus was to address the situation and the scenario, but in the same moment, always point people to Jesus. So in a moment where Jesus could have exhibited or shown power, in a moment where he could have flipped the system, in a moment where he could have said, you know what, you're right, I'm going to stay here a little bit longer and start ruling and reigning. In that moment, he flipped the idea of what power looked like and he gave it away. That doesn't mean Jesus didn't have power. What Jesus did, though, is made you and I co-laborers in cultivating the earth to look more like heaven. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, you are going to have power to become my witnesses in all of these places. And remember, they didn't all believe that Jesus had risen. All they knew about is some guy who had started an uprising and they killed it. And so these guys were going to go into these places, very religious places, and begin to talk about this Savior, this Jesus, who was going to change the world, this one who had risen from the dead, and everything was different, and he loved you, and he cared for you. And he flipped the system. He flipped the idea of what it looked like to have power in this world. He, he, he changed what it looked like. What does it look like to have power? Wait. What does it look like to get ahead? Stop. What does it look like to exhibit strength? Weakness. What does it look like to really step into your calling? To step with Jesus. What does it look like to really win the victory? Surrender everything. Jesus says, wait. Don't go anywhere until I say so. And some of us can think, oh, it's not going to work very well. But this is where, this is where, if we're going to live in the power of the kingdom, if we're going to live in the power that God wants us to live in, if we're going to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, there's this word. I know I don't, we, we don't love the word. We don't always like the word. And sometimes we think of the word as a negative thing. We think of it as some kind of weakness thing. But it's this kind of, it's this word. It's this, it's this word that submission. There is an element of us in our lives submitting to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And submission, every time it's referenced in the Bible, the word means to arrange under. 
It means to arrange your life, to put your life in such an order that it is under a certain thing. Many of us have submitted our lives to a lot of different things, whether we realize that or not. How can I tell? Because we have arranged our life under a certain set of principles or guidelines or beliefs. We have arranged our life under a certain worldview. And Jesus is going, no, no, I need you to arrange. What did the disciples do when they waited? They arranged their schedule. They arranged their future. They arranged who they were under the lordship of Jesus. Now, don't get all weird about that and go, oh, see, it's always about him being the boss. Well, yeah, it is. But remember that Jesus is the one who says, hey, when you humble yourself, I will lift you up. If you look at all the people that fully surrendered their life, even though they weren't perfect in the Bible, do you find people who, like, didn't do okay? Like, no, no, you, you find people who lived out their calling even if they were persecuted, even if they were challenged. You find people like Paul writing a letter in prison going, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice because death doesn't define you. Death is not the winner here. That's what happens in this kind of moment. And, and these guys decide to arrange their life under the lordship of Jesus. And when they do that, Jesus begins to give them and show them a power they had not yet known. In fact, in a few different verses, and I want to just reference a couple here. I'm not going to read them. I'll just reference them. You can write them down if you'd like to. 1 Thessalonians 1.5 talks about, we did, Paul's saying this to Thessalonians. He says, he says listen, I, I didn't come in just word. I came in power. But if you look at the Amplified Translation, it says, I came with, it came, the gospel, this message came with inherent power. Not, not like maneuvered, not just kind of like patched together. It has this inherent power in it. This does the work. I don't know why we keep trying to work it. This does the work. It has an inherent power. Ephesians 3.20 says that we do this according to his power. So often we can convince ourselves as we walk with Jesus that we've got to figure it out. We've got to do it. We've got to do it well. And just this morning I was reading... Um, my uh, common prayer book that some of you guys have heard me reference before, talk about before, out of Psalm chapter 81. I want to read this to you. I didn't give this to the guys on the screen. I just want to read Psalm 81. I'm not going to read all of it, just to read a few verses. I'm just trying to hammer home a point here. Because some of you are going, how do I get the strength? Submit. That's not a bad word. It's like repent. Repent's not a bad word. It means come home. Get back into alignment. Get straightened back up. Stand up tall. God's got something for you. He loves you fully, completely, no matter what, all the time, regardless. Sometimes it's not a bad word because you're doing that anyways. You're doing that anyways. Even the people who are being countercultural are submitting to counterculture. It's like we, we are all submitting to something. Jesus is saying, hey, this is where you're going to get the power that's going to go beyond what the earth looks like. Psalm chapter 81. I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go. Yeah, let's go to verse 8. After the Selah, after the pause, the pregnant pause. Verse 8, Psalm 81 says, listen, my people, and I will admonish you. I'll warn you. I'll, I'll help you. I'll guide you. Israel, if you would only listen to me. If you would only listen to me. There must not be a strange God 
There must not be a strange God among you. You must not bow down to a foreign God or king. I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people did not listen. Israel did not obey. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own plans. If only my people would listen to me and Israel would follow my ways, I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. What is God saying to us here? And I know the Old Testament can be a language we don't always speak. We don't always talk about enemies and foes and destroy and all these things. And we can have that conversation later. But God, God is looking for a people who would wait and listen in a moment where everybody is shouting and yelling and screaming and becoming experts on things they didn't even know about two days ago. When it's so easy to express your point of view or your opinion, ask more questions. Listen a little longer. Let love be the prevailing ethic of your life. And most of all, wait on Jesus. Because He, in His inherent power, and according to His power, will provide you with the things, with the strength, with the endurance, with the vision to make it happen in the way heaven wants it to happen. Listen, if all we do is do things according to the way the earth wants you to do it, we will just get more of what earth is giving you right now. We have got to come with something different. We have, we have got to live with a different idea of what matters most. So as we wrap this power in politics, be reminded that you have a kingdom and a king. And that should be good news. Because no matter what last four years brought, no matter what the next four years bring, Christ is still king. And you have access to that kingdom. And you can choose it by waiting on it. And he will fill you with power to bring life wherever you are, whenever you are, however you are, in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you want to do in us and through us. And God, as we wrap up this Vision Builders weekend, God, I pray over those who are considering, thinking about, praying, asking you about what they should give. Lord, I pray you encourage them. God, I pray that we are not twisting anybody's arm, but Lord, that we all have this kind of thing ringing in all of our hearts, all of our minds, that there's something here to do. And it can be substantial, and it can be significant, and it can be part of what you're trying to do in this city through trademark and mercy culture, the city life and the house and paradox and all the other amazing churches, incredible pastors and teams. God, I pray that we would be and place our mark on this city. God, I pray over Bishop Winfield at Potter's house. 
God, I pray over all these pastors, all these churches, Lord, that we would not be about trying to grab power, but receiving it. We would not try to live according to the politics of this earth, but we would bring in a new order of the kingdom of heaven on the earth. And God, I pray that we would wait upon you. Pray that we would trust you. Pray that we would give fully to you. So God, as we wrap up this weekend, as we wrap up this pattern, God, I pray that our trust is in you because it is in your power that we are made strong. It is in your grace that we can stand up tall. It is in your vision that we get our dream. And it is in who you are that we find out who we really are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.